Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, hello. Welcome. I'm Andy Behrens, joined as usual by Scott Pianowski. And welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by planters satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years do you know what satisfied me today scott the realization that uh, the chicago bears have played their final primetime game of the 2020 season our civic embarrassment our shame uh is no longer out in the national spotlight uh it's it's i'm sorry it's five noon starts from this point on for the bears you'll have to say goodbye to the beloved chicago bears america sorry about that yeah what satisfied me today was uh, we had some snow flurries in the um, greater detroit area which means my dog fenway got to go outside and then come inside covered with snow which is just a joy snow and dogs in, in a year where so many difficult things have happened i need to get back to simplicity and what's better than the joy of a dog and of course you know we've now been spared matt patricia football um we he, he, <laughs> the lions said look let's let everybody yeah, bury in the to, detroit lead there right right let's let everybody be thankful for matt patricia one last time well, the lions you know basically mailed in the game against houston on Thursday, and then uh, they're going to go in a different direction. So bring on the new regime. All right, before we before we jump into, I mean, this is the Pickups Podcast. That's why we're here. You want your you want your priority ads for the Fantasy Week. But before we dive into that, a couple things that I want to get to. And at the top, and this is, this is like breaking news as we are recording this podcast, everything in motion, trying to figure out exactly uh, where all the pieces fit together. But as we speak, the Ravens-Steelers game has been moved again. This is one of my favorite hypothetical games in league history, perhaps never to be played, but it has now been moved back a full week from its original (laughs) scheduled start time on Thanksgiving. It will now be uh, taking place on Wednesday. Here is what I can tell you about the game's status in Yahoo's uh, in Yahoo's fantasy platform. Game again, moved to Wednesday, December 2nd. And assuming this thing gets played, the stats will be applied to your Week 12 matchup. If the game is postponed or canceled, shifted to another date, forfeited, I don't know what can happen. The game will not count in Week 12. But if played on Wednesday, as currently scheduled, this thing counts in Week 12. I would expect other platforms to handle it the same way. Given the fluidity 
here, given the uh, the tenuous nature of this game. It, it, it seems it seems like maybe it would have been a wise thing to avoid various Ravens and Steelers in your lineups entirely. But hey, if this game takes place, it's counting in week 12. I don't really want to make any promises on behalf of Yahoo going forward with this one. Um, it is a tricky situation. I know it sounds really simple to just say, oh, well, it doesn't matter what day it's played. Somebody just pushes a button and it counts that week, but it's actually really hard. Behind the scenes, uh, as I understand the coding, the engineering, all the architecture of the game, a lot of people are working hard to make changes to make what seems like a really simple thing happen in your fantasy league, but it's not like the, you know, old-timey 1930s operator switchboard where they just plug something from over here, over there, and all of a sudden the Wednesday games count. No, it's a little harder than that. This is tricky for a lot of people. But anyway, your fantasy experience should be fine here. The Wednesday game will count in your week 12 matchup. I believe this pushes back waivers yet another day. We like to give everyone, you know, 24 hours from from close of the final game of the week in order to place waiver claims. So I believe that waivers are not going to process until Friday morning. Don't yell at us on Wednesday when waivers haven't processed. Don't yell at us on Thursday, when waivers haven't processed, you can you can yell if there's a problem on Friday morning and not before. Yeah, well stated. And <laughs> uh, and also, don't yell at us when a, a player's IR designation hasn't changed. We we have no control over that. That's based on a lot of when the teams do the procedural stuff. And this brings you know, up I'm glad discussion. you bring that up because because um that uh, not that whatever. This is a difficult year. It's a weird year. It's a crazy year. And obviously, when news breaks in fantasy, people want it processed quickly. But like when when there's a rumor on Twitter, like when one person floats something that is that is not yet confirmed widely and certainly not yet actually actually put in process by a team, we're not just going to preemptively give somebody an injury designation like that's just that's just never going to happen. Um, you may see the first rumor on Twitter about somebody hitting the covid list, but just because the, the, it's out there on Twitter, that doesn't mean that it, that a team has officially made the transaction. We don't do anything until the teams officially make the transactions and then it happens quickly. Right. Just because the beat writer said somebody was on crutches leaving a team facility, that, that's not going to change the status. And it just speaks to this, the procedural stuff that has to happen for, for paperwork and for official designations. And this leads us to... And if, if you think it's bad in football, man, play some baseball. Play some fantasy baseball in like September when they don't even have to put an injured player on the, the disabled list, right? <laughs> they, they can just leave them there because their rosters are expanded. That is... A nightmare. All right, Scott, let's get started with the quarterback position. We've got uh, we've got some significant absences and potential absences this week. Uh, we've got Tom Brady on a bye. We've got the Panthers on a bye. So people are in need of quarterbacks as they uh, as they try to make the final push for their fantasy playoffs. I'm going to throw out not too many names, not too many names here. Um, it's not a particularly crowded position. I'm going to start with and again, a, as per the usual protocol here, you just you just prioritize these guys. You just sort them out however you like. And I'm going to start with a name that I think is my pretty clear number one widely available quarterback, and that's Kirk Cousins, who has fallen into a stretch of games in which he has been weirdly, by his own standards, consistent fantasy wise and good. Four straight multi touchdown games, 11 TD passes in his last four, only one interception during that stretch. And he's got Jacksonville coming up. So it's a great matchup. The, the, the one, you know, could be a little bit of a could be a Kirk trap possible Kirk trap here because obviously they they want to run the ball down the opponent's throat whenever they can still I, 
Like we, we saw what he could do on the, on the rare occasions that he gets 40 plus passes and it was really good. So he would be my priority play at the quarterback position. A few other names for you. Philip Rivers, just because he's got a really nice schedule coming up. He's got he's got Houston twice. He's got Vegas. We can have a separate Ryan Fitzpatrick discussion. We don't know as of this moment who starts for the Dolphins this week. They keep saying Coach Flo keeps saying actually really clear things about Tua that he is the starter when he's healthy. Um, you know, teams can choose to describe him as not healthy for as long as they want to. Right. So it's a complicated discussion. I can hardly believe that they won't stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick, given the fact that they're like a game out in the division and actually have the division's best point differential. Like it's pretty easy to make the argument that they are actually a better team than Buffalo. So and Fitzpatrick at this point clearly gives them a better chance to win. Anyway, I'm filibustering here. I'll throw out a couple of other names. Mitchell Trubisky, like don't watch, but hey, he's got Detroit coming up and that might work. And then I think Jalen Hurts becomes a pretty interesting little bit of a flyer. We're recording this actually before the Monday night game. So I don't know what, if anything, Jalen Hurts may have done on Monday night, but a lot of buzz this week about him seeing first team practice reps. Clearly, Carson Wentz is not meeting anybody's expectations unless you expected him to lead the league in interceptions and fumbles. So uh, those are a few names for you. How do you feel about that? Cousins stands at the top of this list, and you are totally fair to point out that we have volume concerns. Maybe they run all over the Jaguars, and and Cousins doesn't need to do a lot. They don't want to throw the ball. Uh, it's kind of a mandate with their coaches, with Zimmer, with Kubiak. I had a long discussion on Twitter today with our, our former colleague, Brandon Velasky, who's a long-suffering Vikings fan and some other people. Cousins is one of the most polarizing guys in football, fantasy, or just real football discussions because – He's not, we know he's not like the MVP face of the league type of player, but he's not a stiff either. He's somewhere in the middle. He was into week 12. He was the YPA leader in the NFL. I think somebody's passed him, but he has really good efficiency stats. The, the problem is he just doesn't throw the ball enough, but we love Jefferson. Uh, Cousins actually got it done this previous week without Adam Thielen. And I would think Thielen probably right. back. I don't know that for sure yet, but Thielen probably back. So he's got... Cousins is at a point where he could, doesn't even need to play that well, and maybe Jefferson drags him with a splash play or feeling so good around the goal line. He, he separates himself on this list. I will feel really good about Fitzpatrick if and when he's confirmed as a starter. I understand why Flores is playing it the way he's, he is. Miami's at a weird inflection point because if they want to think long-term, they have to decide what they want to do. They're at a fork in the road. If their goal is to make the playoffs and to be the best Dolphins they can be in this season, they should probably let Fitzpatrick play the rest of the year. He's been through the league. He's seen all the blitzes. Notice how their skill position guys. I don't know about you. I'm ranking Parker and Gasicki a lot higher when Fitzpatrick is in there than Tua. Yeah. But their long term, if you want, if they want to say to themselves, what's best for us in next year or what's best for us two or three years from now, that's with a franchise quarterback in place. They have to find out if that's Tua or not. It's kind of scary that we have to think if, if two is a, if he's a if rather than a when. But I don't this is, know. This is hard, though, right? Because they can't like they're not winning the Super Bowl and they're obviously not going to navigate the AFC. But a, a playoff win like that's not that's not crazy. And that has a lot of value, especially when you think what that franchise has been. Some of the depths of I think they did go to one playoffs with Adam Gase, which just sounds incomprehensible. But <laughs> the moment Fitzpatrick is anointed a starter. He would be my second priority. I, now, we don't know. This is going to be an unusual week of cadence because there's things we don't know right now. So you may have more time to sort through Miami's plans. Philip Rivers, at least he's got a floor. The, the thing, the pesky thing about Rivers that people don't want to talk about that much, 
they're farming out a lot of snaps. And, and we're talking about high-value snaps to Jacoby Brissett. He's getting goal, goal line, line snaps to Jacoby, yep. yep. Once, you, once you have another quarterback getting taking points off the table for you every week, I think in a standard fantasy league where these guys would all be options, I don't, I don't want the player who isn't going to get the full work. So that would push Rivers behind those first two guys. Look, Trubisky, I think you nailed it. He's like that sketchy closer, right? You can't watch him. You just hope the box score will be friendly, and it certainly was in Week 12. I, I don't think Trubisky played well, but he got Robinson going. He got David Montgomery had one of his best games, maybe of his career. They put points up. He at least threw the ball downfield and took chances that Foles is unwilling to take, and he can run a little bit. He's got athleticism. So I, I think Trubisky's capable of scoring three points in a week. We could also score like 24 <laughs> points in a week, even if the Bears get squashed. And thankfully, as, as, as you pointed out, uh, they're not playing any more primetime games. The thing with Hurts, I know you're listening to this when the when the Philly game has come and gone. You and I play in some really deep super flex leagues. We play in a 20-team super league with our colleagues, with, with Robinson and, and Therese, where you have to a lot of times make pickups based on who could be a starter next week. I was left without a quarterback. Like four days ago, I didn't have a quarterback. And then, you know, it, it took the craziest like 48 hours of NFL news to kind of bail me out there. But if you're in a super flex league, if you're in a league where any anointed starting quarterback is immediately snapped up by the person who who has the best smartphone or the best wireless service in their house, Hertz is one of the guys you might want to pick up ahead of time because I think it's a good chance Carson Wentz, be it through injury, and I hate to say that, but he's taken a lot of hits, or be it through poor performance, doesn't play the rest of the year for the Eagles. Yeah, I should have I should have gotten into that Mitch game a little bit a little bit deeper, but I don't I don't really want to think about it too much anymore. The week twelve <laughs> loss to Green Bay, but it's not it's not that often that you legitimately see garbage time begin in the second quarter. And they were they were well into garbage time in the second quarter when Mitch started doing things, uh, 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 positive things, right? Through let's a point couple out something of just, else too for the for the Bears with garbage time is some teams when they get behind and the when the game becomes unwinnable, some teams will just run the ball, get on the bus, maybe they'll pull people. It's a good call, yeah. And other teams will say, hey, we have to treat this fourth quarter like it's our Super Bowl. It, you know, the Falcons, it hasn't yep. really happened all the time this year, but they used to be famous for, okay, guys, we're down 21 points. We got two minutes left. This has to be a <laughs> touchdown drive. Let's go do it. <laughs> and at least the Bears played with the urgency that you want if you think garbage time is going to happen. I, and I realize garbage time is not guaranteed. A lot of times teams get squashed and it never comes around. Look at the Raiders yesterday. They scored six points. It never got better. Yeah. But at least the Bears have the right mindset for garbage time, which is that let's at least play the game competitively. Let's go up tempo. Let's continue to throw the ball. No, don't bench Montgomery. No, don't bench Allen Robinson. So at least that leaves that possibility open where other teams might have a different strategy when they get way behind. Yeah, so I think you and I are fundamentally in the same place here. It's it's Cousins at the top, knowing that you might get a game with 15 pass attempts. At least, you know, the things that, that we can say for him is that he has been incredibly efficient, as you mentioned. Um, he's near the top of the leaderboard in intended air yards per target. So these are these are high value pass attempts, even if even if there's not a lot of them in any given week. And again, the matchup is great. So he's the number one target. If you learn something about Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you learn that he's legitimately going to start this week, no question about it. Um, then he, I think, is the clear number two. Let's uh, let's move to running back. Let me say one um, other thing. One other thing. Oh yeah, I, I know he's fifty-seven percent owned, and maybe he'll do great this week. I do not trust Derek Carr. I know it's the Jets. He's had yeah, too many it? bricks for me. He scored what four points against that awful Falcons defense. He had eight points against the Broncos a few weeks ago. 
just too many games where they have fewer than 200 yards passing. And I, I realized, look, some teams were winning with less than 100 yards passing in week 12, but there's not enough consistency. Maybe they'll have some injury. We'll talk about the Raiders' backfield in a second. I just want to go on record as saying I don't trust Derek Carr. And, and if he throws 270 and three touchdowns, that the Jets good for him. But I'm not going to play him proactively. I got to I got to say, man, and and Kirk Cousins has a little bit of this in his uh, in his historic profile as well. That game felt like a betrayal from Carr <laughs> because because a ton of people had just written the the Derek Carr has made a leap column after the after the previous week's loss in which he was almost perfect. Like and you obviously you have to be perfect or near perfect to beat the Chiefs or to even challenge the Chiefs. And man, he was good. He was better than his receivers. Um Ball was exactly where it had to be when it had to be there, and to follow that with that sort of dud against uh, against Atlanta, uh, like a gift of a matchup, was just really uh, that was something. All right, let's get into these running backs. I'm gonna I'm gonna say right here at the start, I don't I don't fully trust anybody on this list. I only feel so good about them, but I'm just gonna run through them, uh, and I'll I'll give you the floor. And I think I got to start with Cam Akers. He's pretty complicated for me because I think he's talented. I think Daryl Henderson has looked great for long stretches this season. So like it's complicated backfield. It's three headed mess. He broke off a long run against San Francisco. And I feel like Twitter reacted to it in a way that it did not deserve. It was a 61 yard run that was about as unimpressive a 60 yard run as you're going to see in the NFL. It was like mile wide rushing lanes. He's not touched for the first 55 yards. The entire Niners secondary catches up to him, chases him down, and he's eventually brought to the ground by the first person who touches him on the run. Anyway, that accounted for most of his yardage. He's fine. It's a it's a fun enough offense. He's going to get a lot of attention on waivers this week. I'm not totally sure what to do with Cam Akers and how to prioritize him. I don't I feel like maybe I'm in a different place than the rest of the fantasy community on him. Um, Benny Snell is out there. Of course, we don't know what Benny Snell will have done yet this week because they don't play until some distant day in the future. Devontae Booker could get interesting because Josh Jacobs, we know, went down with an ankle injury. I will say I don't know how severe this ankle injury is. It had the vibe of like every injury that I used to have in youth sports when I screwed up and then grabbed a hamstring, right? Like I tried to stretch a single into a double, got thrown out and immediately grabbed the ankle or grabbed the hamstring. He'd fumbled on the play and, uh, oh man, did his ankle hurt. It's probably not that probably pretty legit, but we have to worry about Josh Jacobs a little bit. I'm going to throw Frank Gore out here again because he's getting 20 touches a game. Ito Smith turned out to be the better play than Brian Hill in relief of Todd Gurley. Hopefully Todd Gurley can get back and we don't really have to worry about either Atlanta backup running back. Um, Jordan Wilkins. Uh, Jordan Wilkins. We don't yet know the status of Jonathan Taylor. Officially, there's some good buzz out there about him right now. But Jordan Wilkins could get interesting as part of a three man committee. Again, he's got Houston coming up twice in the next three games. That's a great matchup. And then a name I just want to throw out there because I'm a little bit surprised that he's so widely available. And that's Alexander Madison. He's the sort of like, hey, this is the fantasy playoffs. We want to take shots with lottery tickets. Alexander Madison is actually the one name that I feel like I'm listing among all these guys who could be a league winner if circumstances fall his way right now that would that would require something that nobody wants it would be a Dalvin Cook injury but if Dalvin Cook were to get injured Alexander Madison I don't know what the P&L backup index has him at but he would be something like 90 to 95 percent of Dalvin Cook and that's pretty damn good yeah to be fair we did see one Madison game earlier this year when Cook didn't play and Madison played poorly the whole Vikings team played poorly it's really funny if you watch like 80 percent of Minnesota's resume I see a playoff team they went toe-to-toe with Seattle in Seattle. I think they should have won that game. Cook did get hurt in the middle of that game. Cousins, as we talked about, has had a great year. I think a lot of teams will have to answer for why they didn't draft Justin Jefferson, who just looks 
uncoverable. Um, what a, what an absolute star he is. So Madison, this is a case of this. This goes without saying. This is the tagline for every time we do this podcast. It we can't. There's never going to be one size fits all. We have you have to factor in what your needs are. There are going to be some people listening who already have a playoff spot wrapped up, have a buy wrapped up, and all they're asking themselves is, "What am I doing in week 15? I don't even need these next two games. You know, let's get set up." Yeah. And that's I'd really like to see the Madison or anybody who's similar to Madison, a high upside backup who would be the clear starter if the main guy were to get hurt or, you know, unavailable for whatever reason. Um, you want those guys because they can be league winners. Anybody who would automatically start. So Madison for a lot of teams would make most sense to get if you're in that position. Now, if you need to win this week, you you can't wait around for Alexander Madison. Right. If you need a single, Frank Gore will get you a single. I don't think there's any extra base hit in Frank Gore's bag at this point, but you're going to get the touches. There's nobody challenging him. You know, P. Ryan may not play again this season. He's certainly out for multiple weeks. So Gore, if you just want somebody to stick into a flex or a lower-end RB2 spot, get me 11 kind of ugly points. I'm not going to watch the game, but I know they're there. That's what Gore can do for you. <laughs> With Akers, wide range of outcomes. But Akers has a 20-point game in him. I don't know if it will come out. Sean McVay, as we know, he's one of those 16 weeks, 16 game plans types of guys. I think he's a great coach, but it can be hard. Remember last week, they peppered the receivers with targets. You know, Cup and Woods both had huge yeah. games, and then Cup was just about invisible in their loss to the Niners. You know, give the Niners credit for that. What a job Kyle Shanahan has done with a, with a real skeleton crew. But I get nervous when I see three running backs on a team because it's just going to be really difficult to figure out usage. And you need to be able to get to the usage before the game is played. But Henderson, you, know, you know, Malcolm Brown played the most snaps of that backfield. Like, didn't do that. anything in the box score. But yeah, that's well, that's your like, snap I, leader. I feel like Brown is, is he's kind of like that relief pitcher where he's he's always going to get seven to ten saves, but he'll never get thirty. <laughs> I don't think Brown could ever leave this backfield. Although I, I, I'm sure there's audio of me saying something different two months ago. Akers has the highest upside here. If I if I needed to gamble on somebody, if I need to say, look, I need I need to get a twenty, I need to find twenty points on this board. I think Akers can do it. I like even without their best offensive lineman, I think they've handled that pretty uh, adeptly. And I have so much faith in McVeigh. I think Snell is the main back in Pittsburgh. Now they've been scoring their touchdowns through the air. Connor wasn't having a great season before he became unavailable. I, I, I would want Benny Snell. It, ironically, I dropped him the, the day he accrued value because I, I didn't realize what was going to happen because nobody can predict what happens in 2020. I think he's a nice player. I don't think he's special. I have no conviction that he's necessarily better than McFarland. And maybe the Steelers just go heavy with the uh, throwing the ball, which they've done a lot. You know, I mean, some of their touchdowns have been running plays to chase Claypool. You know, those basically bubble screens at the goal line. They're not married to running the ball the way the old school Steelers were. So I, I'm kind of ambivalent to Snell. I like Booker a lot in some really deep leagues. I've almost played Booker the last few weeks as one of those. James White kind of he might have 10 touches in him. That hasn't happened yet. It didn't help that they got blown out at Atlanta. Whenever I hear an ankle injury, you just worry. If it's a high ankle sprain, that can be a month. And even if it's just a run of the mill ankle thing, running backs need to change direction so quickly. And if a guy's on a bad wheel, it's just hard for him to be productive. I, I think it'd be a case of if Jacobs tries to play, maybe he won't be anywhere near a hundred percent. And Booker could take over just because he's more effective. So and and here's the thing: if you if you are Looking long-term, I want you to have Madison. If you need to do something for this week, Akers would be my first guy. I would really want to go for Booker, especially if the Jacobs news kind of took a turn for the worse, and Gore is the way you can hit a single. 
I, there were no doubles in Frank Gore's game right now, but he can definitely still get on base. I can't really imagine. I don't know. I don't know what I set the recommended offer to on Frank Gore, but I can't imagine that I would actually spend any percentage of a waiver budget on Frank Gore. Like if he fell to me as my as my third waiver priority, that would be fine. I would hate to, you know, unless I, I found myself in just a, simply a dire situation where I had no other viable starter. I don't I don't think I would actually throw resources at Frank Gore. Like I probably shouldn't have sounded so down on Cam Akers. It was really a case where like the singular moment from his game that um, so many people on my feed responded so uh, positively to did like I don't, it didn't do a lot for me. It does more for me that they use him in um, goal to go situations now. Like he's getting some of those carries that were going to Malcolm Brown earlier in the year, right? Like I'm I'm much more excited about Cam Akers actually taking a handoff at the one yard line than I am watching him go 50, 60 yards downfield untouched and then getting dragged down. This is a big deal. If Cam Akers is going to fall into a role where he's 10 carries a game and and they like him um, when they are when they are within the within 10 yards of the goal line, that's that's cool with me. Well, he's going to need that goal line work because remember, he's got almost no involvement in the passing game. He's got three passes None. all year. Yeah. And there's an important thing to notice with some of these coaches. Every coach has a different style, a different cadence, a different flow. We've seen like Jonathan Taylor, for example, he had the big game in week 11. And I think a lot of fantasy analysts were mindful of the idea. You know, he ended up going on the COVID list, which which took we don't know what Taylor would have done. But I think a lot of people were careful and say, look, just because he was the guy one week does not mean Frank Reich will play it that way the next week. This doesn't always carry over. It doesn't always have to be linear when teams have multiple options. They may say, "Okay, these guys have different skill sets. How do they translate to the opponent at hand? And I think McVay's a guy, again, Akers, his value on Sunday was mostly tied to one run. I don't think McVay's a guy who's going to come into the building and say, okay, we've got our bell cow now. Everybody else is fighting for scraps. He just doesn't work that way. I think he thinks, okay, what do we need to do to beat the Arizona Cardinals and who best symbolizes that in our game plan? So you need to be careful. It's easy. The old way we used to do it is, okay, what running back outplayed everybody else the previous week? It's only logical that that guy will get more work the going week. I, I think that very simple rule that, that worked for 10 or 15 years, I don't think it works anymore. I think the coaches are smarter, sometimes a little bit too cute for their own good. And they say, okay, uh, last week was good. What do we need to do this week? And how does that relate to the skills and how they differ of the guys in our backfield? I have certainly bombed the Indianapolis backfield all season by relying on basic, basically recency bias, right? Like I always get the ranks wrong. It's, it's always the other guy. Maybe I had Naheem Hines a little higher this week, but we were down to two finally when, when, when it's three guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically been spin the wheel. Let's dive into wide receiver because in addition to the very to the rash of injuries that hits every position in the NFL, we got stuff to deal with here. First of all, we've got, you know, the Bucks receivers out. They're startable. We've got the Panthers receivers out. They're startable. We've got Will Fuller facing a six game suspension for PEDs. He's startable. He had a pretty good week 12. So we've got some work to do here. And among the squad of receivers that is available in uh, over 50 percent of Yahoo leagues, it's not. It's not great. I don't have any I don't have any one for one perfect Will Fuller replacements for you. I don't have any Mike Evans replacements for you. Here's what I do have. And Scott, you may you may sort them however you like. Um, I've got Alan Lazard 
He scored a touchdown on just a stupid throw from Rodgers in the in the Bears game. He was looking good. Hasn't really seen much of anything downfield since uh, since returning from injury. But whatever. He's tied to Aaron Rodgers. That's a good place to be right now. T.Y. Hilton finally scored a touchdown. Can I can I interest you in T.Y. Hilton? Probably not. Finally scored a touchdown that wasn't nullified by a penalty. That has been his signature move to this point. Sammy Watkins saw seven targets in his return. He played over 70 percent of the snaps and he's a chief. We care about that. Jalen Rager really looking ahead to the fantasy uh, playoffs. He's got Arizona and Dallas in weeks 15 and 16, and I'm pretty interested in that. Brashad Perriman, good news there is that he did not disappear from the game plan with Sam Darnold at quarterback. That was good to see. Saw eight targets. He gave us 79 yards. Nelson Aguilar put forth what I would say was a heroic effort within the context of the Raiders' shameful loss to Atlanta. I finished with five catches for 54 yards. That's about as good as it got. He and Hunter, Hunter Renfro are about the only two players who showed up in the box war. He's also about to face the Jets, which we like. Colin Johnson had a big game for the Jaguars. I don't know that I necessarily see a huge path there, especially when DJ Chark is back. Obviously, that team gets healthier. And uh, Kiki Cutie, we should we should probably mention as well. Fuller's out. We've seen him. Oh, gosh, it's not just Fuller that's out, right? Uh, uh, Randall Cobb is out. Um, and, and Kiki can play a little bit. He's obviously been a doghouse player in Houston for a while. But um, when he falls into snaps, he can occasionally make some noise. Right. Yeah. I, I added Cutie to the script also because they let Kenny Stills go, right? Um, yeah. They released him. I don't know his current status. If you're look, if you're in a deeper league and you're just trying to find somebody to do the Sterling Shepherd, you know the, the five catches for 57 yards, you know, what Shepherd basically does every week between five and seven catches, between 40 and 65 yards, and no touchdown. Yeah, you know, it's the Sterling Shepherd. I think QD can fall into that path. You know, I, another guy in the Jets who I think is interesting is Mims. It, it makes me really unsettled to be considering Jets every week for pickups and for even starting on, on medium and deeper depth leagues. But Perryman and Mims have both been productive. It's yeah. been Crowder has been the guy they've kind of eased away from. Maybe he hasn't been 100% healthy. We know they haven't gotten anything going with their tight ends this year. So I think Perryman and Mims are both reasonable in medium or deeper leagues. If you're thinking more of the smaller shape leagues, Lazard, I'm just happy he got up from that hit he absorbed at Chicago on Sunday night. I mean, he got popped, and I thought, oh, man, he could be out for a while, and he was back in the game a snap or two later. Any exposure to Aaron Rodgers sounds good to me. So he stands out in a standard league. He'd be the guy that you mentioned that I like the most. The only thing about Rager that frustrates me is there's a wide usage tree there. They've gotten Goddard back. They still throw the ball to Richard Rodgers. I still think Fulgham's a good player. Miles Sanders is a mouth to feed. Wentz is running in touchdowns this year. I, I just think there's a lot wrong with this offense. I don't know if the switch to Hurts, if that even happens, how that would affect things. I think we're going to, there's going to be a lot of, like, I liked Jalen Rieger way back tweets next year. I think when Jalen Rieger is like a really hot <laughs> player in week we are three or week four, people go yeah, say, this is, why, this is why I told you to draft him last year, or I told you to pick him up in the middle of the season, whatever. I think good things are happening for Rieger. I'm just not confident they're going to happen this year. Lazard's my priority guy. I'm kind of out on the Colts. They just the distribution tree is too wide. They use three tight ends for crying out loud. I think they found something in Pittman, who, who's still their best receiver, even though Hilton did have the touchdown on Sunday. I would say the proactive guy is Lazard to get Rager for next year. I could play either of the Jets receivers this week. I know that sounds gross, but I'm fine with it. Uh, even though Aguilar didn't smash against Atlanta, five for fifty-four. If that's your bad game, I'll take it. I think he probably makes a big play against the Jets. And again, I, I think Kiki Cutie is basically the poor man's 
Sterling Shepard this week. He's going to catch six passes for 64 yards. <sighs> well, that's an exciting group of names for anybody who just lost Will Fuller. Uh, <laughs> no, very I unsatisfying. Feel- and that's what they, that's that's the thing. I mean, we're all scrapping to try to yeah. find a way to. Yeah, I mean, look at all the good players who've been out available recently. You know, I, I didn't have Thielen available in week 12. I, I had to pick up guys I wasn't sure about. Not to mention, not games I wasn't sure if they'd be played. Quarterbacks I'm not sure of. Yeah, that's what makes this position so difficult, right? I think we've seen more quarterback injuries than anybody expected. And when you look at the, the NFC East, right? If Philadelphia eventually gets off Wentz, every team will be playing with a backup quarterback. The, the Giants now, we didn't even talk about Colt McCoy, probably with good reason. He's probably going to be a starting <laughs> quarterback for a few weeks. The the Washington football team's on their third Shoot, quarterback. He's got a great matchup too, right? They've got Seattle coming up. I mean, uh, under normal circumstances, we I would try to talk people into Jones. Go to bet MGM and look look at do what I do. Refresh the NFC East odds every day. <laughs> the Eagles are not winning this division. I even if you're listening to this and they just won thirty seven to six, I'll stand by it. The Eagles aren't winning this. But I mean, what the Cowboys? How many quarterbacks? Everybody but Tony Romo and Troy Aikman has taken a snap for the Cowboys this year. So when you uproot a team at quarterback, you know, Baltimore's on a backup quarterback now. Washington, we not Washington, in fact, Denver, we saw what they had to do in week 12. It unplugs the entire offense, right? You couldn't, all of a sudden, you couldn't play any of your Bronco guys. I, I don't know how you play any of your Raven receivers with confidence right now. So again, Rashad Perryman and, and you know, Mim, Denzel Mims looking pretty good to me right now. Yeah, I might feel better about, I probably feel best about Lazard, Hilton, and Perriman. Uh, and I, I think I've got them all in one uh, in a single tier there. Obviously, obviously, those are not names that, again, are going to replace guys like Fuller one for one. Um, my man, my best team, the team that I am most attached to. People may be familiar with this league. It's a it's a Chris Harris organized thing called La Liga Lebowski. It is super complicated. And that is my best team. It's like a, I've got I've got Henry. I've got Kamara. I've got Mahomes. But I've just lost um, potentially DJ Moore. And now I've just lost Will Fuller. And my my title dreams are, are taking a hit uh, what, with every waking moment. I, you mentioned Kamara. I have to ask this. What? What's your state of the Kamara right now after they basically unplugged him for two weeks? I, there was a Taysom Hill touchdown in Denver where Kamara was the decoy on the other side of the formation. And yeah. as soon as the ball was snapped, Kamara just stopped running. And I think his hands might have even been on his hips. And he's watched the play running for a touchdown. And I'm sure he's thinking, that should be my touchdown. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly think a bit of this is the the foot injury that he sustained a couple weeks ago. And that, like, I, I don't right. think they're legitimately saying, you know what? We've finally found something with this Latavius Murray. I don't like I don't think that's what's happening. I don't I don't think it's a huge concern that Latavius Murray in a non-competitive game played a played a bunch more, had a bunch of touches. It's the I mean, it's the Taysom Hill factor like he like clearly we, we need Drew Brees at quarterback if you're tied to if you're tied to Kamara. That is that is evident. Um, there is there has been some talk that they and I'm sure they did change the game plan a little bit as soon as they found out that Denver was starting a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. But it sure doesn't seem like Taysom Hill. And I, I believe you mentioned this last week with a lot of quarterbacks whose first instinct is to is to run. If the first option isn't there. They're not necessarily looking for the easy check down to the running back. They're not looking through secondary options. They're like, I'll just go get five to seven yards. I think it's entirely possible that Sean Payton right now is tapping, is going up to Kamara in a quiet moment of practice or in the locker room and saying, look, man, we're thinking Super Bowl. You know, we're not thinking week, yeah. week 12 at, at Denver was not a big game for us. They didn't have their full roster. We need you in in um, January and February when we're playing the Rams defense or the Tampa Bay defense and 
we need your foot to be better. So I'm not, you know, you're going to play every week. You're going to have a key role for us every week, but I don't want to waste you in games where we're ahead by 20 points. You know, let's, let's let somebody else lug the mail and we need you at full thrust, full throttle when the games are actually important. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a really good point. It, it's obviously true. And it's just like, it's a bit of a disappointment if you're him, I'm sure, because he was tracking to break the single season reception record for a running back that was just set by McCaffrey. And he had a shot, at least at the halfway point of the season, to to go 1,000-1,000, just like McCaffrey had done. That's that's all pretty much out the window now, barring like some 25 reception game with Drew Brees at the end of the season. That's just yeah, not going to happen. It's, it's crazy. In Super League, our 20-teamer, I've had him and, and Robinson, um, the, the great James Robinson, all year. And I've, I thought, how, what, well, how wonderful it is to have James Robinson, my second running back. Basically, in my mind, they flipped... Where James Ro- I just pretend James Robinson is my one and Kamara is my two. That's kind of how I emotionally handle that now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's it hurts. It hurts. Um, man, I, we could do a separate podcast that is just an appreciation of James Robinson and all he's brought to the table this year. This is an absolute, an absolutely ridiculous season. I think you can make a very good case that uh, based on just what what it cost you, what, whether you added him uh, as a, whether it was a waiver ad for you or whether you took him in like the 12th or 14th round. Um, he, he's been the most valuable asset in fantasy this year. And when players can produce no matter what's around them, like we always love <sighs> Allen Robinson yeah. because I, I don't mean to pick on the bears, but it doesn't matter what, what burns around Allen Robinson. He continues to produce. And in the case of James Robinson, okay, we'll win one game. Okay, we'll play 18 different quarterbacks. Okay, we'll get blown out by most opponents, although occasionally they play a close game. It doesn't matter. He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He stays on the field. And I've never been disappointed by a James Robinson game. When you can produce consistently despite things crumbling around you, man, that that deserves a, a fantasy tip of the cap. Yeah, it's a it's a good call out. I'm I, I've he's now he's just parked inside the top five, top six in the running back rankings every week. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to look at the opponent. It could be anybody, absolutely any defense. Historically, he's like he's producing against virtually uh, anyone that you put in front of him. Let's let's hit the tight ends really quickly. Um, this is a terrible bunch. This is wow. If you thought the wide receivers were bad, hi. I've got um, I've got a collection of terrible names for you here. Tight ends that I came up with for you, and I, I don't I don't even care how you prioritize these guys. Logan Thomas, Trey Burton, Jordan Reed, Kyle Rudolph, Dalton Schultz. I don't have I don't really even have anything to say in support of any of those guys. Um, perhaps you have a different name out there uh, that you can that you can add to this list. But the story of the tight end position this year is basically if you didn't draft Kelsey or Waller, <laughs> uh, good luck. I'll also offer a. Um Apology to Rob Gronkowski, who I thought was going to be a disappointment. He's turned into, he, again, talking about people parked in my top five. You know, I, I, I don't yeah. even get start sick questions on Gronk anymore because everybody knows that he's just good enough to start. Fine with Logan Thomas. He never comes off the field. He did have a touchdown in the Thanksgiving game. They, they let him throw a pass on a gadget play. He didn't do much two weeks ago. But more often than not, he's in that four to seven target range. He has a little bit of touchdown equity. Alex Smith is starting to get more comfortable on a, on a frisky Washington team. But man, man, are they fun with, with Gibson and McLaurin and they have a good defense and they, they have, I feel like you get a good, decent run out of them every week. They're, they're a team with flaws, of course. And if they make the playoffs, they'll probably get starched in that home game. But I find that WFT, a very easy story to rally behind. And Thomas can meet lowered expectations. You're just hoping for 40-plus yards or a touchdown, and that's reasonable. With Kyle Rudolph, really simple. If Irv Smith can't go, Rudolph's a key part of this offense. He, What do you have, 60-some-odd yards, I think, in the game against Carolina. That gets you easily inside the top 10 at a watered-down position. 
So I feel yeah, really all good he needs about is no guys. Thielen and no Irv Smith, and he can get you sixty yards. <laughs> right. So there you go. But hey, that, that was you know that. I mean, DF, DFS players are saying that was one of my hits of the week. I gave you Kyle Rudolph for ten bucks. So, um, I'll take it. You know, we're lowering the expectations here. There's not a star to be found. You know, Trey Burton has probably scores a touchdown every three weeks. I guess there's something to be said for that. I'm not in the Jordan Reed camp. Schultz is okay. I, I still wonder what what kind of year they would have had in Dallas if everybody had stayed healthy. But uh, Thomas and Rudolph, I feel good about. I, I want to also mention that there's no way to really spin this cleanly because we don't have the re, the benefit of the Seattle Philly result. I feel like there's going to be a Seahawks tight end who flashes in this Monday game. I don't know if it's Hollister. I don't know if it's Disley. And who knows? Maybe they'll both have 11 yards. And that's entirely possible. But it doesn't sound like they're, they're going to have um, Ra Olson um, back for the rest of the season. So you know, I, I'm a big, big Olson fan, Greg Olson fan. I, I think he'll be a great announcer someday. And I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. But Hollister or Disley. I could see one of them entering the Russell Wilson circle of trust. And shout out to Jordan Akins, who I promoted all year. I, I promoted him. I waited for him. I think at one point I even used injury priority on him. And what does he do on Thanksgiving? Not one, but two catchable passes. I know they weren't perfect throws from Watson, but I feel like there was a touchdown that Akins had with his name on it in Detroit. He left Detroit without that touchdown. Uh, that was very uh, very sad moment for me. Didn't he get a carry? Didn't he get a carry? I feel like I got something like 0.2 fantasy points, right? 0.4. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. That's, Thank you, you for know, that, so Jordan Akins. You can't say he was bageled. You know, they, they, they obviously <laughs> were trying to establish the run with Jordan Aiken. So it's and, and, hey, with the way the running game has gone in Houston, I, I can't really blame them. And you know what, Andy? I hate to say this, but I know it's not an apples to apples comparison, but with Will Fuller off the field, Maybe Watson has to throw more to the tight ends. It's yeah. possible. There are, there are 11 weekly targets up for grabs now. I, I guess not that Aikens is anything from – he and Fuller have nothing in common other than they're both football players. But I, I have a feeling I'm going to be playing Jordan. I just talked myself into Jordan Aikens for another week. Man, uh, shout out to Will Fuller, man. He had he had really rewritten his uh, his player profile this season. He'd gone from being the guy who just binged like once every six games um, and couldn't stay healthy to a guy who's played every week and he scores a touchdown absolutely every week. He's Fantastic. been metronomically consistent. And, and Watson's just a, a wizard. And and you know when they after they fired O'Brien, they tightened their usage tree, their target tree. They started using play action. They started doing. Um, pre-snap motion and Cooks and Fuller have been just smashing week in, week out. They've been automatic starts and they've been easy DFS plays. And, and you know, Watson's just one of those guys. I think we all wish Deshaun Watson was in a better situation, right? With more stable ownership, yeah. a coach that would be his lifetime coach. You know, I'd like to see Deshaun Watson have his Andy Reid or his Kyle Shanahan or his Sean McVay. Wouldn't you love mention Deshaun Watson on the Rams with McVay? That would be so much fun. I'm just I'm just glad he had a spotlight on Thanksgiving because this has been a sneaky great season um, without a lot to show for it in the win column, obviously. But he's been terrific. He's awesome. And, and off the field, too. You know, all the stuff he's done when there's been natural disasters in Houston and just a person that gets it. And but I'll tell you something I'm not looking forward to. There's been a lot of Will Fuller victory lap Twitter going on recently because you know he Fuller was famous for getting hurt and he's been played the whole season. And now the people who are saying to fade Fuller are going to try to take the suspension as a victory. <laughs> and the victory lap Twitter is going to get mad. And I, I didn't draft Will Fuller. And I'll I'm man enough to admit I think that was wrong. I think the people who were pro Fuller got it right. I, I'm just not looking forward to to watching that that civil war 
rage over the next 48 hours. Seriously. Well, I think it's I think it's safe to say that uh, Will Fuller is a is a droppable fantasy player at this point facing uh, a six game suspension. Who else is droppable for you, Scott, heading into week 13? Give you a big name. But right now it's not much of a big game. Antonio Brown is ninth on Tampa Bay in yards per target. Ninth. And if you want to pick a different uh, stat or a different metric, I'm sure he stinks in that, too. Evans is their touchdown guy. Godwin is younger and more talented. Gronk, we talked about earlier, having a renaissance season. I, I think Ronald Jones would be great if we could just get Arians to buy in that he needs to touch the ball week in, week out. And even Fournette every once in a while pops. I think adding Antonio Brown solved a problem that this team didn't have. They don't play in week 13. I find myself, you know, there's one league I, I added Brown as a FOMO guy when it seemed like he might get sound by Tampa Bay. It's actually a team that I have Mike Evans on. I will never start Brown over Evans. I tried to trade Brown. Nobody wanted him. And so I say to you, Andy, if you can't trust somebody to play him and you can't trade him, they're just standing in the way of progress. Drop Brown yep. to make that Madison pickup we talked about. Drop Brown to make that proactive defense. That Remember last week we talked about adding second defenses, playing the schedule. If you don't, Envision if you wouldn't start Antonio Brown in week 13. I know the Buccaneers don't play, but if he's currently not a starter for you, don't be paranoid that, oh no, this is the week AB goes nine for 155 and two. I don't be afraid of that. Throw him out to the pool. Let somebody else spend resources on Antonio Brown. I don't think he's worth trusting the rest of the season. Yeah, I like it. It's a good call. I've only got him in, I'm only got, I've only got him in one spot. It's a 16 team league. And he's not quite droppable there. But I mean, again, we're coming into a bye week and it's week 13. Everybody's got to win. If you happen to be in a situation where you can wait a little bit, I suppose you can. But uh, yeah, I I agree. My guy is also going to be somebody going into a bye week. And that's Mike Davis. Feel bad about it. He's been a really fun story this year. He has uh, performed admirably in place of Christian McCaffrey. We think, however, that CMC comes back after Carolina's bye. Once he's back, I mean, we know that Christian McCaffrey basically plays every snap. There's not going to be a, it's not like Mike Davis is going to get a courtesy, you know, 30% of the snaps. That's not going to happen. It's going to be the McCaffrey show again. It's a pretty friendly schedule for him down the stretch, but you don't care with players of that quality. So my, like Mike Davis, thank you for your service. Uh, <laughs> in fantasy all year. It's been good. It's been great. It's been good, but it's, it's time to let you go. Man, what a, what a rough time for, for Carolina. I mean, uh, McCaffrey, the year he's had and more being dinged up now. I mean, his status is in jeopardy. Um, I, the only thing I worry about with McCaffrey, the only pause I would have with Mike Davis is I wonder at what point does Carolina admit that their season is cooked and it's what do they want to play McCaffrey? Although a lot of teams generally don't operate like that. Players want to play. They want to, they want to get their stats. They want to prove their worthiness. And I'm one of those guys. I'm always saying on Sundays when teams get way ahead or way behind, Oh, Shouldn't they bench their quarterback or they have no replacement for? And teams just don't do that. I mean, they generally err on the side of, of just letting guys play. So so maybe it's it's fearful to to think that McCaffrey would be held out for any forward looking thing. So I, I like I like the fact that we're giving out Antonio Brown and Davis because I think a lot of times people take the drop lists. If you present a drop that anybody out of a hundred people would drop, you're not really <laughs> providing a service. The right. idea is to give you somebody you think about who maybe wasn't obvious to you. And I think we've done that with the two guys we provided. Yeah, I know it's a different, uh, I mean, different voices in Carolina now, different brain trust and all that. I still can't believe. And it was like, I know they were chasing records too. I still kind of can't believe that they let Christian McCaffrey get to 400 touches last year (laughs) in a season that was was long lost. Speaking of going for records, I was a little disappointed 
I thought Andy Reid might have had the nerve to say, just to go up to Tyreek Hill and say, hey, you, you want 400 yards? Just go get it. You know, you want to beat Flipper. Flipper Anderson's had his, he's dined out on this 336 thing forever. Seriously. Good for Flipper Anderson. I, you know, Flipper Anderson is trending two or three times a year when some receiver has a monster <laughs> start. But the Chiefs are so good. I feel like if they just decided, okay, Tyreek, today's the day. We're doing it. I, I don't know who could stop them. Guy did it in a quarter, too. He could have had 500 yards. Like, I'm, I'm totally with you. He certainly could have chased 400 and probably gotten there. You know what I want to see them do? When you do that hitch and ladder play, I've heard it called the uh, hitch and lateral, whatever it is, where you throw the pass downfield, then you flip it to somebody else. That famous play that the Miami did against the Chargers a million years ago in the playoffs, Tony Nathan, right? That would, that, I'd love to see that. That's how Hill could get like a bunch of yards. Just throw a downfield pass to, to Watson, you know, I walk in, hope he catches it, or Hardman, hope he catches it, or Kelsey, and then just flip it to a streaking Hill and let him go like 60 yards because those are receiving yards. You don't get the reception on the play, but you get the receiving yards. I don't know. Not, not, not that, look, Andy Reid doesn't need my help. Their offense is doing just fine without my my input in the play calling. But I um, got a lot of speed in that receiving court. It's an interesting path to a zero catch 80 yard day for McCole Hardman. That seems like something he might be capable of. Well, they need to find a way to get the ball in Hardman's hands. That doesn't require him catching it. That's, <laughs> that's been a problem for Hardman. And by the way, as I look, we're in a lot of leagues together. You had way too much Tyree kill, man. Next year when we're in those salary <laughs> cap leagues, I am blocking you. You are not throwing, uh, you know, just, a ridiculous amount of Tyreek Hill at the world. That's I'm not giving next year. I'm going to shelve my own ambition and my own goals <laughs> and my own aim at building a roster. You have to be stopped. My friend, you are a monster. You do not deserve all the Tyreek Hill. And I know you're soliciting people with high scores with Tyreek. That's basically your way of saying, Oh, by the way, I, I might've had a 240 point team here, a 272 point team there. You have too much Tyree, Tyree kill my friend and too much Kelsey for that matter. And in fact, are you wearing a chief shirt? What is that? I, you got I, I am in fact wearing the, the Patrick Mahomes, uh, catch up over everything shirt. Yeah. I try, I kept trying the re- part of the reason that I have so much Hill is that I kept trying to stack Hill, Kelsey, like I had all these, you know, I kept getting in these drafts where I would I would I would have like the 10th pick, the 11th pick. And I kept right. trying to put together Hill, Kelsey and Triples. Mahomes. And somebody always yep. somebody always screwed that up somewhere along the line. Somebody at the turn would take Kelsey or somebody would take Mahomes in the third round. And I never put it all together. But I do end up with a lot of Tyree kill in that, uh, at least for, you know, well, not just for a week, for a season. It's worked out. Shout out to my friend and longtime collaborator, Mike Salfino, who I know got it, got that triplet that trio, the Trinity, whatever you want to call them, of Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill in one best ball league. And that's a, that must be a blast just every Sunday night or Monday looking at that team and, and just watch. It's like what, being so rich that all you do every day is watch the money roll in. That's what the Chiefs do. <laughs> you've not only You're got the real-life MVP, you've got you know obviously a wide receiver one, and then you have perhaps the greatest positional advantage in fantasy this year, Travis Kelsey. It's just totally unfair. Absolutely Kelsey's unfair. A, they're now... Kelsey and Hill have to be first round picks next year, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this there's, is, I think there's absolutely the days no question this about being it. Affordable. The days of this being stackable, we have to put a stop to this. We can't <laughs> let teams have these guys together anymore. It's just unfair. And Mahomes, I'm as late round quarterback as anybody, but I think Mahomes can't go any later than the second round. Yeah, fully agree. Because um, this is, this feels, uh, you know, I know we're I know we're way off topic here, but this feels like it's just gonna like we've settled into what a normal Patrick Mahomes season is gonna look like, right? Like he's not he's not playing at the level that he did, you know, the ridiculous statistical level that he did a couple of years ago. Nobody could ever do that over the course of a career. But this feels like it's gonna be a pretty standard issue Patrick Mahomes season. He's gonna finish with like forty eight hundred yards and forty touchdowns. I don't see how this is. There are certain things that happen in the NFL, and you're like, oh, they'll get tape, they'll find a way to defend this. 
the only thing that anybody's come up with defending the Chiefs is just, well, make them make them run 15 plays on a drive. You know, take away the deep ball and make them run intermediate and short stuff, which, by the way, they had no trouble doing against Las Vegas two weeks ago where they needed to go down the field in like 90 seconds. You just couldn't do it in one or two plays. And Mahomes said, no problem. You want to do a bunch of 15-yard passes, a bunch of nine-yard passes. I got that in my bag of tricks too. And shout out to Frank Schwab, who we had our colleague, we had on the gambling or the handicapping podcast that we do on Wednesdays, releases on Thursdays. And he was pounding the table saying Mahomes was a screaming MVP value at like plus 180. Now that's, Mahomes is like a minus 400 MVP favorite or something like that. So uh, props to Schwab for giving us some good intel a few weeks ago. Folks, you should definitely check out that uh, that wagering podcast midweek. You should also check out the Yahoo Sports NFL pod with Charles and Therese and the Yahoo Sports College podcast, of course, with Wetzel and Thamel and Forty. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. That right there is at Scott underscore Pianowski. Once more, huge colossal thanks to Planters. Tomorrow, you're going to get Matt Harmon and Dalton Del Don. But until then, we are out.